Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Abraham, here I am. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hands and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father. My father. Here I am, my son. Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar, upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the lad, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son your only son for me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. What a story. If you're joining us for the first time in this series, we're taking a journey looking at the roots of the gospel in the book of Genesis. And we're discovering the gospel is everywhere in this book. God is laying down track upon which centuries later his son will come and walk this prophetic path laid out in Genesis, going all the way back to the fall of man, 
where in verse 16 of chapter 3, God promises the woman that your seed will bruise the head of the serpent and he will bruise his heel, which pointed to the cross where Satan lost his authority, his headship, when Christ as the last Adam took it back, conquering death for us, and in so doing while hanging on three nails had one of his heels severely bruised beyond belief, fulfilling that prophecy. So we're not going to review the whole book, but it's online if you are ever take an interest in looking at what is happening in this series. But join us today in this special story in chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. God had proven himself faithful to this man for 25 years. He promised him in his old age a miracle son that his wife would bear in her old age, and he had blessed him with that son, who no doubt is grown by now, and here comes a test. God doesn't tempt us to do evil, but he will test our faith. Not because he doesn't know anything, but because we don't know. Sometimes we think we're stronger than we are, and here comes a test to show us how much humility we need, to show us how rebellious we are, to show us how fearful we are, to show us that he is God and we are not. So here comes this terrible test. It's terrible. He said, verse 2, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, the son of promise, the only child born to him and his wife, Sarah, whom you love. You reckon he loved him? Oh, yeah. Any fathers in the house? Your mothers in the house? The love of a mom is, is beyond compare. God uses it to describe his love for us. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, which is a three-day journey, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. Now, at that time, pagans would offer up their babies to pagan deities. But here is the God of the universe who forbids that kind of thing, testing Abraham by saying, hey, go offer your grown son at a location of which I'm going to tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. I cannot begin to imagine how he felt. Saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he, this is Abraham, split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, they traveled for three days with this. This test lasted for three days. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. Can we say worship? Worship is the offering of everything that is dear to us to the Lord in honor to him. He is God and we are not. And we will come back to you. We're going yonder to worship. You all stay here. It's the third day. We're going to go worship. And we are going to come back to you. Reckon where his faith was at. 
So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. So Isaac is carrying the wood for his sacrifice, of which he's going to be sacrificed upon. Remember that. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Look, the fire and the wood... But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So two expressions of faith. God's going to provide an offering for himself, and we are going to come back to you. So they went together. They came to the place at which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there. He took the wood from Isaac, placed the wood in order, he bound Isaac his son. Now this man's old. So the obedience of Isaac is incredible. He allows his dad to tie him up, laid him on the altar upon the wood. So submission on the two parts of these men. Abraham his father and Isaac as his son. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Centuries later, there's going to be a reciprocation. Abraham, to whom God had made this incredible covenant, had not withheld his only son from God, and God is not going to withhold his only son from the world. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Remember that. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead, or in place, or as a substitute for his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, or Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, Yehovah Yireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Beersheba was the place where he made a covenant with the king named Abimelech to live at peace and walk in unity and harmony with him. It means the well of the oath, or the well of the seven. Seven lambs were involved in the making of that covenant. Let's pray. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would hear your word in such a way that we appreciate and understand the gospel like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you for the next few minutes on how Abraham prophetically experience the gospel or how his test demonstrated prophetically 
drew the picture as to what the gospel would be. He already had a covenant with God. But there was coming a better covenant that would involve what he is demonstrating here. So it's a prophetic picture. The first thing we want to remember is God gave Abram, that was his name before the covenant was made, Abram promises concerning his descendants. Here's a man childless, and God begins to give him visitations, words, reminding him of what's going to happen. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. That's the first recorded visitation in Genesis 12 in the Bible. And then in 13, the next chapter, the Lord promises him, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man should number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. So can we say children, offspring, family, <laughs> lineage, legacy? He's promised this. But in the midst of this promise is coming a seed that's going to bless the world. In chapter 15, the word of the Lord came to him again saying, this one shall not be your heir. This was his servant. Before Ishmael was born, he wondered if the oldest servant in his house, Eliezer, would be the one entrusted with his inheritance if he would pass. This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So he's being given these promises. And he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. So because he believed this promise, the Lord says, you're a righteous man. The Lord promised Abraham and Sarah a miracle son. So Ishmael is not that son. He said, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be your name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. So the promises start in chapter 12. In chapter 17, it's getting more and more specific. These promises are, and it's apparent now that Sarah, his wife, is going to be involved in parenting this race that would bless the world. Verse 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said, shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old and shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? The Lord said, yep, and beside that, you're going to name him Laughter, Isaac, Isaac. Going to bless you. In the next chapter, the Lord promises him the day. It's going to happen now, a year from now. I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. So this boy is going to be joy to the world. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? This is God asking him. Is anything too hard for me? Nothing. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Get ready. The time is here. It's been 25 years of waiting for this promise. And then in today's text, take this kid and offer him as a sacrifice. Tilt. 
All the earth's families and all the earth's nations were predicted to be blessed in Abraham. In you, in this first promise in chapter 12, all the families of the earth shall be blessed in Abraham. And in verse 18, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So families are going to be blessed, all the families and all the nations are going to be blessed in Abraham. So this is the roots of the gospel right here. Everything else we're going to hear today springs from God's fulfillment of this promise. Abraham was told now to offer his son, his only son, as an offering on a certain mountain. So we see it in our text. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So here comes this incredible test of faith. If 25 years of childlessness, believing you're going to have a child, and it doesn't happen, even to the point of changing your name, instituting the rite of circumcision was a test, this is the ultimate test. Journeying to the place of sacrifice took three days. And so the, he had traveled for two days with their two servants and a donkey, and on the third day he left them behind and walked that final third day. You're beginning to see something become clearer. What took three days? Christ being sacrificed before his resurrection. Abraham believed that they would both return. We'll both come back to you. What does that seem to indicate? That God would provide something separate or maybe a resurrection. He was going to go all the way. Isaac carried wood for the offering on his back. What does that remind you of? The ultimate miracle son, that seed that came from Abraham, Christ carried the cross on his back. He got some help along the way. That's like a man who's going to be hung putting together the gallows. Or, you know, a criminal that's going to be executed filling the vials which are going to be injected into him or plugging in the electric chair. This is what Christ was doing. This is what Isaac is acting out prophetically. And of course he's asking, Lord, <laughs> here's the wood. I see you have the fire and the knife. Where is the sacrifice? Prophetically, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, the time is here. Is there another way? He had insight that Isaac didn't have. He knew what was about to happen. If there's another way, let this cup pass from me. He was tempted to say, I can't do it. He was tempted to say, angels, come and get me. He was tempted to say, Father, it's not worth it. But out of love for his father, he held true to the covenant. Abraham believed a substitute would be provided. He said, the Lord will provide for himself a burnt offering. 
And of course, he also believed in the resurrection of his son. We saw that. We will come back to you. We're going yonder to worship, but we're coming back. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, this is in Hebrews 11, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He went through the motions of going, all, going through it all the way. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. You're going to, be, you're going to bless the world through this boy. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back as a figure, figuratively, symbolically, back from the dead. He untied his hands. He had the pleasure of taking him off of the wood. Oh, the joy. One day it would literally happen. God's son would be offered on a wooden cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world so that you and I could go free from sin's penalties. Him having paid the ultimate price for us. The obedience of Isaac parallels the obedience of Jesus. He allowed his dad to tie him up. That old man could have chased him all over those mountains and never caught him. Can't catch me, daddy. There was a hundred years difference between their ages. You can argue about how old he was. I'm telling you, if the boy was five years old, his daddy couldn't catch him. Five-year-olds can run a long ways before they run out of gas. Abraham believed God provided his own offering. The Lord is able to provide, and he found a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Where are ram's horns? On its head, right? What is a ram? A male sheep, right? How do they start out in life? As lambs, right? So Christ on the cross, what is on his head? A crown of thorns. Now, we see all these paintings of Jesus. None of them are accurate. None of them. He wasn't blonde-haired and blue-eyed and didn't look like an Italian or Englishman. He was a Middle Easterner. And that nicely wrapped wreath on his head how are they going to make something like that and not get stuck this is about him suffering they very well could have fashioned a crown or a hat out of a thicket or out of a thorn bush and just crammed the bush on his head prophetic picture of what christ would go through for us it is here that god is revealed as jehovah jireh he called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So we already knew through the revelation that Hagar received, God is El Roy. He is the God who sees. And because he's El Roy, he provides. He sees our need and he sees that it is met. So the Lord sees Abraham's faith that he's not withheld his only son from him. And so the Lord sees the need 
to provide the substitute and helps Abraham see the provision caught by the horns in the thicket. So the Lord provides because he sees. And because he sees, he sees that our need is provided for. You see that? As it is said to this day, and here's a prophetic statement, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Christ was crucified on a hill at a place called Golgotha, within eyesight of where this happened. Let's look at some topography. Here's Jerusalem built along this ridge of hills. It wasn't there when Abraham was there to offer up his son. So you have Mount Zion towards the bottom of the map. You've got the Kidron Valley and, of course, the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley from And then the middle arrow is pointing to where this experience happened. And then the upper area points to where it is believed that Christ was crucified. All within eyesight of one another. Now this is interesting. I don't know that it means anything prophetically, but I just found it was fascinating. The elevation above sea level for the Temple Mount is is 740 meters above sea level. Golgotha is 777 meters above sea level. Isn't that cool? So at that time, the places could be visible from one another on a clear day. You could walk from one to the other. So here you have in the lower right-hand yellow uh, square, the rectangle, the ridge of hills, and then the next rectangle is where the Temple Mount is. The Dome of the Rock is there now. That is an abomination of desolation to have two mosques on that hill. That's where the temple was built. That's where Abraham offered Isaac. And then in the left-hand upper rectangle, is where Christ was offered as the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world outside the city, rejected. In Abraham's seed, God promised him that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Now he had told him, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And in another place, we just saw it, in you, Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. But in this text, today, he's told, in your seed is coming blessing. The angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name. I swear by my own name. This is a promise you can take to the bank. That I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. Your descendants shall conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. 
Now, this is a modern translation. Uh, the King James translates the word there's descendants as seed. In Galatians 3.16, it says that to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say into seeds as of many, but as of one, to your seed who is Christ. So Isaac was his seed through Sarah. They had not had any other descendants yet. More would come. Isaac would have two sons, and then through, through one of those sons would come the Edomites, and the other son would come the Israelites, who would be birthed through 12 sons. That's the rest of the story. And then through them would come the nation of Israel. So at this point, there's one seed, Isaac, who's going to bring blessing to the world. But ultimately, one day, there's coming an ultimate seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, who would bless the world. So the promises were made to Abraham for his son Isaac, for his descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. So how did Abraham prophetically experience the gospel? He experienced the promises made. He experienced the fulfillment of those promises. He experienced faith in the, in the death of his son for three days. His son was as good as dead. He was going to follow through with it. The resurrection of his son, he received him back. And the substitution for his son that was made by the lamb that God provided, the ram caught in a thicket. So how does this story end? And what does this have to do with the gospel? He returns to Beersheba and dwelt there. Well, they continued living at the well of the oath. Once you and I received the benefits of the offering of the son of Abraham for our salvation, we live at the place of promise. We stand on the promises. And that's where we are, living in the now. As Shannon says, we're living between the now and the not yet. <laughs> Looking for the great resurrection, having hope in our future resurrection because the last Adam has already resurrected and put death under his feet. And through faith in him, death will be under our feet when that great resurrection day comes. So let's bring it on home to right now. Jehovah Jireh is one of God's names received here at this mountain. The Lord sees our need and he sees to it that it is met. The Lord provides what we need when we need it. So maybe you're shook up by the news, the economic news, the political news, the international news, the national and even the local news. God's not surprised. He'll provide what we need. So stop losing sleep. Stop being so angry as though God doesn't have it under control. Live at Beersheba, the place of the promises, and stand and see the salvation of the Lord. And remember, he doesn't see time like we see it. It's only been, you know, 2020 was like 100 seconds or less to him. Let's move forward, amen? Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would be gospel-oriented people.
that we would allow the gospel to affect not just our eternal life, but our temporal life, Lord. That we stand on the promises, that we live by the well of promises, that we draw waters from the well of our salvation, that we live with hope of seeing our loved ones who've gone on before us, and hope in you using us in this day and in this generation. Lord, I pray for those of us whose evangelistic fire has gone out because of all the circumstances. Give us a love for the lost because we are blessed through believing Abraham. We receive that same righteousness. Help us, Lord, to live like it. In Jesus' name, amen. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every
Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice, we're hanging on every close by talking about Ishmael, Isaac, and ourselves. There's a principle. Ishmael has to be run off. So anything in our lives that's of the flesh that God hasn't led us to do, let it go. You want Isaac in your life. You want God's will done in your life. But you got to be willing to let Isaac go. For me, uh, serving here has been like an Isaac. The day will come when I'll have to be willing to let it go. Amen? You got to be willing to let Isaac go. God's blessed you with children. You got to be willing to let them go when that time comes. Let them go. Well, I don't want them to be missionaries to Alaska. If God does, who are we to stand in God's way, right? And then ourselves. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Romans 12, 1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your thinking, the renewing of your mind. That's not PMA. That's not positive mental thinking. That's not, you know, thinking thoughts that are going to get you what you want. That's what he wants. Don't be conformed to the world the way they think but be transformed from the world by the renewing of your mind. And sometimes the Lord will call you to live a crucified life. Letting things go. Forgiving your enemies. Letting things go. Moving forward for the sake of God's will being done in your life. He sees. He'll provide. He wants us to mature in this area and not live petty lives, self-centered lives. Me and Jesus don't have our own thing going. Me and Jesus has his thing going. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. Go get him, Tigers. Amen. See you next year.